Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, where every day of the week we are breaking down a question, event, news, or trend about your Dallas basketball playing Mavericks. My name is Bobby Corella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Joining me today, the only guy in Texas other than Skin Wade who has longer hair than Luka Doncic. Luka was looking a little unkempt during his press conference today, but Isaac, my God, you've never looked better. Now, okay, you're putting me in the same sentence as Skin, and Skin just looks like a a, go- a mythical like god that we study about in like textbooks or something growing up. The the mullet from everything from your the draft live stream that you guys did. I mean, he instantly I saved it on my phone. It's like a meme now. I'll randomly respond to people on Twitter just using Skin's picture. He is just a masterpiece right now with that haircut. When he showed up at that I was like, how am I supposed to do this show sitting next to you? You know, like he's just going to steal the spotlight. He's looking amazing. You look great. Luca looks great. Meanwhile, I have like extremely short hair right now. I just got a haircut the other day. Uh, Here I thought we were all like tuning up for the season. And I look around and everybody is still just in full quarantine (laughs) mode. So I feel a little out of place right now. Yes, I'm trying. I'm eventually I'll cut off my hair. My hair actually has a meaning. I, I set a goal uh, to hit in something in my life, and I was like, uh, during quarantine, I'm like, I'm gonna, I can't cut my hair until I hit that goal, and I'm getting really close to that goal, so it's uh, pushing me. And trust me, my wife uh, is ready for my hair to go to. You're saving up to have ten million dollars. <laughs> You're close. Hey, maybe some Mavericks can help you out with that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe money is flying off the shelves right now. Hey, well, I mean, the Mavericks, uh, the Mavericks signed, uh, made official 10 contracts basically, uh, on the first day of training camp. So, uh, I know a lot of, uh, media people's, uh, email inboxes, uh, were full, but it was really cool to see Dallas being day one here. Uh, how many years have you covered the Mavericks? This is, this is another, uh, start of the year for you. This will be year eight so my first season was 2013-14 that was the Dirk Monte Vince Carter year uh so this will yeah this will be my eighth year sixth year full-time so it is just how many players on the team have been in the NBA longer than me oh my gosh like JJ James Johnson that's Boban maybe I don't know not Boban no Boban's rookie year was the year after me yeah that's true I think I that might JJ. be it. Dude, we are old. We're we're washed. That's <laughs> what are, this means. We are washed, but we bring so much more to the team like JJ brings. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We and you and I combined haven't been around as long as that guy. So That's true. we're That's still true. we're still young uh compared to JJ. God bless him. So it's Mavs Daily. We're kicking off the first full season of this program. We started it during uh during the the kind of the, the break in the action late March, early April, and we carried it on pretty much daily, Monday through Friday, through the bubble restart. We've taken a break the last couple months or so as the, the offseason has unfolded. A lot of uncertainty when the season was going to pick back up and everything. Lo and behold, in the last like two weeks, everything has come together. The Mavs had the draft. They made some trades, signed a couple free agents. Today, training camp or the, the pandemic equivalent of training camp started, individual workouts, and later this week they will move to full team workouts and before you know it they'll be playing preseason and then oh my god they might be playing on Christmas and so we're going to be talking about all this stuff throughout this week and the rest of preseason 
kind of the main talking points, big, uh, big picture ideas, different takes and thoughts that Isaac and I have, and then everyone else who's going to come on this program. Uh, we're going to dig into all of it. But today, I just kind of wanted to talk about a little bit of, I guess, kind of everything, just general thoughts coming out of the offseason, Isaac, which was like two days ago, <laughs> not like three months ago. So th th these thoughts are still very fresh in our mind. But just generally, what are what is your take on the, the offseason that the Mavs had, including all the transactions, players coming, players going, uh, moves, and then as we head into – training camp I guess we'll we'll move on to Josh Richardson I get he gave his press conference and that guy rules so I want to talk about him too but just generally thoughts about the offseason that was and then kind of some thoughts that you have as we head into the beginning of this season yeah I think you know heading into you know the offseason week basically because in that one week we, we saw the trade moratorium you know be lifted and the draft and free agency and everything happened in one week so it was a, a super crazy long week but I think going into that week, you kind of looked at Dallas and said, all right, what do you, what is the Mavericks going to do during this week to get better? But also, I mean, it's no, it, it's no surprise out there that there is a, a certain amount of flexibility over the next year or so of with the team and the roster and uh, money wise and everything. And Luca still being on a rookie contract and, uh, you know, not hitting the max scales with the rest of the best players in the world that allows you a flexibility, kind of like, uh, you know, like a, a, an NFL team having a, a quarterback, you know, one of the best players on like a rookie scale contract. You, there is some flexibility, you know, with your roster. And so I think going into the off seasons, like how can Dallas maintain, you know, some flexibility ability with the roster of the next year or so, but also get better at the same time. And I thought Dallas just hit a home run with the week because especially on draft night, because in my mind, I'm like, all right, if they're going to maintain flexibility or create more flexibility, or if they're going to get better, then that's probably going to come at the cost of draft picks because it's like, all right, you're going to use a draft pick to achieve the next goal. And I thought, I thought Dallas achieved both of those goals and they kept their draft picks. And I thought that was a win-win a because you, you swing for a trade because I wanted Dallas to, to get one good upgrade in the rotation in the starting unit. And it's like they swung for a trade and got that in Josh Richardson. They still kept draft picks. And I thought the draft picks were good draft picks in Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, and even Tyler Bay. I love Tyler Bay too. So I thought they had three good swings at draft picks too. They bring in Josh Richardson. They bring back some guys familiar with their system. And, I mean, we all, I mean, even from the Clippers series ending, it's like, Dallas, are they going to get an, another enforcer? Are they going to add toughness to the roster, more defensive presence on the roster? And then they go out and bring in a James Johnson that was included in another trade. It's like, all right, well, we'll take James Johnson for you because we think he can add some toughness to our team too. So I just think all the little patches and all the little holes on the roster and the team that Dallas went into the offseason with, I think they patched them really, really well. I'm glad you mentioned the draft part and – how they kept the picks. Not only did they keep both their picks, they actually added a pick too, getting number 36. Sure, yeah, yeah. So they took Tyler Bay going into that night, even up until like when they're on the clock at 18, if you would have asked me, like put a gun to my head and said, what are they going to do? I would have said, they're going to trade at least one of those picks. Like yeah. they might package them together to move up and get one guy. They might trade 18 for a veteran. Like they were rumored to do 18 for Lou will, that rumor lasted for like five seconds, so I don't know if it was true or not. But like, they that things like that came up all throughout that day and and really into the night. So 
I would have thought that that's what they would have done because historically speaking, I mean, how many times during Dirk's career did they use draft picks? Like they got yeah. Josh Howard, they got Devin Harris, but that was a trade for veteran where they kind of did the opposite. They traded a veteran for a high pick, but typically they trade their high picks for veterans. Yeah. So I thought that that would kind of be within their character because you're right. They are trying to move along the, the road to the championship, right? And typically, 20-year-olds aren't going to help you win championships. So the, the, the line that they're trying to walk is, how do we get younger uh, and get more defensive, get a little more talent, a little more depth, but also get better at the yeah. same time? And that's a, that's a tough thing to do, but they kind of did it. I mean, they, they definitely got better defensively. There's no doubt about that. And I think they got younger. I don't know if their average age compares to last year. I, I did the math. Uh, a little bit of, uh, a few weeks ago I think it was this might have even been right the day after the draft I think their average age is about the same as it was last year but that's because so many guys are coming back who are a year older mm. so like the fact that it's the same means that they're almost younger you know what I mean because so yeah. many guys are older um, but I mean they just got they got some young interesting guys I don't know I mean like Josh Green is a guy who you know we talked about it on on draft night his potential isn't like I'm going to become a seven-time All-Star and like make first-team All-NBA, but he's the kind of guy that can make you better as a rookie because he can defend, he can get out there and, and guard multiple positions. Like He can do a lot of things that the team needs. And so checking off the boxes of getting younger and also finding guys that have NBA skill that you can play in the rotation if you have to, but there's also no like pressure on them to assume yeah. a rotation spot if they're not ready. Like All of those things kind of coalesce perfectly. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I know, I know that maybe some fans thought that they were going to do a little something different, which is fine. It's their prerogative to, you know, aim for the moon or whatever. But, uh, I thought that in this era of the three true outcomes in baseball, sometimes like just hitting a couple singles is fine. You know, yeah. you know, drive in a couple guys with a double. I mean, like you don't have to hit a grand slam with every move. Um, next off season is probably the one, like you said, where they're going to try and hit a, hit a home run or two. Um, but you know, there's getting guys on base is, is isn't so bad either. You know, yeah, and, and you know, in Donnie, I think it was uh, before the draft. It, c- it could have been after the draft, but when he was talking about you know moves and stuff, he's like, we're looking for the moves that takes us to the next round, and it, it was a kind of a, a small insight into you know the Mavericks general manager on kind of how he views the team and the expectations for the team of how can we get you know, better as a roster to get us to the second round. Like we want to be a second round team. And, and and I think they did that by, by adding in a guy like, like Josh Richardson, but also these guys like Josh green. And you mentioned like, they don't, they're not going to step in this. I'm going to plug my Tyrell Terry piece here on Mavs.com. Ooh, yes. Do that. It was very good. Go read that. But like when I was talking to to Tyrell on the phone, I, I asked him this question. I was like, I think fit means so much to rookies coming into the league. And I was like, what, how did this compare? I forgot how I worded it to him, but of like coming into Dallas to where you're probably not going to handle the ball as much as you did at Stanford, you know, playing off of Luca and stuff compared to if you went to, and I literally just said, if you went to a bad team and you just be given the keys to the kingdom and he, he, he was very open about it. He said, I, there were some other teams in the first round that were not as good as Dallas, but they were interested in me, but I don't think it would have been as good a fit as it is in Dallas. And he was so, uh, you know, open and honest that he's, he's a, we love the fit in Dallas and coming off screens and being a shooter. And I just think for somebody like that, that's going to be huge compared to you see some guys. I mean, heck, 
if we just want to say Dennis Smith Jr., you see what Dennis, when he came in as a rookie and is just like, hey, we're going to give him the whole keys to the kingdom and say, we're going to build the offense around you and let you just run the system compared to if a guy comes in in rookie class and say, hey, you're going to fit this defined role on a good team. So I think this could do wonders for somebody like a guy like Tyrell Terry and even like a guy like Josh Green who can slowly come along and use him when needed, but just progress as a pro and like, hey, we don't need Josh Green to step in and start 81 games his rookie season like you know I think didn't Dorian his his rookie season as an undrafted guy so I don't think we're going to need that from Josh Green and I don't want to talk too much about money because money is joyless and I just don't really care that much but look around the league this summer especially at some of the contracts that solid role players I mean I'm not trying to take anything away from these guys but these guys were getting a lot of money. And so there is something to kind of like what you were saying of like, you want to take advantage of the years when Luke is on his rookie deal. I think that loading up on rotation guys who are on rookie contracts, guys like Jalen Brunson, Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, you know, we'll see Tyler Bays on a two-way contract. So I don't know what his situation will be like, but getting guys like that to round out your rotation, even if they're your 12th and 13th guys, maybe they can become better than that while they're still on their rookie deal. And then all of a sudden you have an eighth or ninth guy or a seventh guy, or a sixth man, or heck, maybe even yeah. a starter who's on a rookie contract. And that that can really open up a lot of flexibility for you as well. And so, you know, it never hurts to just have some, you know, it never hurts to have youth and athleticism and also guys that are locked into certain salaries, <laughs> basically is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, um, and so, so the draft happens on Wednesday and then free agency starts on Friday and, you know, rumors around the league are flying about what teams are going to do what in free agency, but... You know, Dallas, you know, brings back some guys that we know. They bring back Trey Burke. They bring back Willie Cauley-Stein. They bring back J.J. Barea. And, you know, a guy like Trey Burke, I mean, what a what a bubble performance that Trey Burke had, you know, for Dallas and stepping Maybe in. Maybe saved for, his career. Honestly, yeah. I mean, honestly, it did. And Michigan guy, I know that's a, 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 a key point for Bobby there. Yep. Uh but uh, but no, I mean, I, I think that was probably the biggest moment in his you know NBA career there in, in the bubble, and I thought he played you know really really well. And when you see a guy like Seth Curry and Josh Richardson get you know swapped out a little bit, it's like all right, well, if you want to just do the fall into the offense for defense type trade, there's much more to that. But let's just you know stick with that in this conversation. It's like all right, well, where are we going to get a little bit more offense? Trey Burke steps in. It's like look at the role Trey Burke had for Dallas in the bubble and now he can be you know one of these scoring guards off the bench and provide the Mavericks some you know some playmaking a scoring punch that they might be losing a little bit with a guy like Seth Curry yeah and I want to talk about Burke and Brunson at a later date both coming off the bench and maybe JJ too how that all and Tyrell Terry of course how that all plays out because you know you can only play so many guards even if you're Rick Carlisle but I want to say see <laughs> I want to see that it, how it kind of plays out in the preseason games first because until then it'll be pure projection. But I do kind of like stand by the take that a, a Burke-Brunson backcourt could work off the bench, but we'll see. Mm. And and look, I mean, even, even Rick kind of I, – I guess it's not like a hint or an implication or anything, but whenever he was talking today at his press conference, he said this season with injuries and COVID and back-to-backs and stuff, like a lot of guys are probably going to start games. And so I don't know if any team will really have a totally set rotation. And so maybe talking about that, it's like way too early to talk about any of that stuff, but uh, we'll hit on that later. But uh, Josh Richardson, I want to talk about him now. Yeah. So the Mavs traded for him, I don't know, two months ago or three days ago. I don't remember when it was. 
pretty recently, and he never did. You know, ordinarily, whenever they they trade for guys or whatever in the off season, they'll do some type of press conference either the day of the trade or you know right at the beginning of of uh, training camp or whatever before it starts the big formal thing with the jersey they hold it up take pictures and stuff obviously none of that can happen now because of covid so uh on day one of training camp it was rick carlisle luka Doncic, and josh richardson which is i don't think anyone would have expected that after the bubble ended but uh he talked and if he isn't the coolest guy in the world then yeah. i don't know who is because he is just like he was so relaxed, so laid back. I know that, you know, I, I will never blame an athlete for giving cliche answers because they're often asked the same question 5,000 times. And the only unique questions they're asked are usually like really poorly worded or just like trying to bait them. But not a single answer that he gave was cliche. Like just really just a genuine dude. I don't know. It, it felt like it almost to me it felt like at 27 years old that he's never given an interview before because it was so yeah. just so calm just laid just really like I don't know it was almost like talking to Dirk or something just had a total command I don't know it was I'm talking him up way too much if you haven't seen the interview yet it's on the Dallas Mavs YouTube page I would definitely recommend going to check it out because he's just Isaac he's just so freaking cool I know. I felt like you were just having a conversation with him, even though it was all these other people asking him questions. And he was just such a, like, he's a guy that you listen to or you interact with. And you're like, oh, dang, I just want to go hang out with you. You know, like, you just seem like a, a cool guy. And, you know, he talked about um, getting to know Luca, you know, when Luca was 16 and, and meeting Luca and establishing that connection. And uh, I think that was one of my main takeaways that, you know, chemistry wise, it just seems like he's just already ingrained into the team chemistry of Dallas. He said, you know, he was asked about what he saw of the Mavericks, like playing against them. He's like, it just seems like the players just love playing with each other and they just love each other. And uh, even when about his toughness, he referred to, you know, them as brothers already. And it's like already calling his teammates brothers. That's awesome. And uh, just, just him, you know, and, and like I was saying while I go, it's like he met Luca when Luca was 16, they worked out together in Santa Barbara and uh, yeah, go to the Mavericks YouTube page and, and watch that whole thing. He explains that whole story and how he went home and told, you know, some of his buddies like this kid's going to be like the number one pick in his draft whenever he comes out and stuff. And he and said he should have been. He still thinks he should have been. Yes, so which I'm like, glad he did. You know how but, to play uh, to a crowd. <laughs> you know how to play to a crowd, John. Yeah, but I, it just it just seems like he's going to be a natural fit into the team chemistry uh, of the Mavericks, and it seems like he's really really excited to be here too and to play alongside Luca. And uh, I think that was just so cool to see in him. There's a lot of connections too with him that I think makes it a really seamless fit so first off of course Luca he's known Luca for a long time they have the same agent Bill Duffy and so I'm sure they they go way back to when Luca was 16 years old and I'm sure they have seen each other in summers and and all that stuff Josh Richardson played in Miami with James Johnson who is also on the Mavs they flew to Dallas together the dogs are on the way famous Instagram post all that stuff and then who lives in Miami during the offseason well, Tim Hardaway Jr. And so I'm sure that they know each other. And obviously being in the NBA, every player knows each other, but they're also similar age, you know, both live in Miami. And so I'm sure that they've, you know, probably hung out a million times. They probably work out together. I have no idea. And then uh, Richardson was at Tennessee in the SEC at the same time that Willie Cauley-Stein was at Kentucky. And so those guys are similar ages. I think Willie might be, oh, they're probably about the same age, actually. Willie might be a year older or a year younger. Um, 
but they were in college at the same exact time playing each other twice a year so they go way back uh so there's there's just a lot of connections there and i think it's it's really interesting too um miami is considered the ultimate rival for the mavs for you know 06 and 11 and all that stuff and since then there's really been no bad blood in fact luka and dragic i mean i don't know it feels like they're like friendly teams now almost yeah. but you know the the heater revered for their culture and and the mavs are t- i talked about this with skin on the last numbers on the boards their cultures are not the same you know they're they're very different franchises and, and everything like that but it seems like guys who play for the heat have the best seasons of their career all the time mm-hmm. and in many ways it seems like guys who come to dallas have the best seasons of their career or or often that's not the case with everybody rondo yeah. and you know there's some other guys but generally guys succeed here and guys succeed in miami if they buy in and if they're if they're all in on the culture and everything like that and so i feel like you know despite his numbers kind of taking a dip in philly and there there were basketball reasons for that of course yes but despite all that i'm, I'm really confident because he was so good in miami he was kind of the centerpiece for the jimmy butler trade who was his yeah. favorite player growing up he said today um I feel like there's it's a pretty sure thing that he's going to be just fine here. Yeah, and that's what, you know, I was I was saying this the other day about, you know, when Tim Hardaway was included in that Porzingis trade and we kind of it was just all about the Porzingis trade. I mean, I I just referenced it right there. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, the Porzingis trade." What but Tim was in that trade too and Trey Burke was in that trade too and it's like when Tim struggled before he he got to Dallas just, you know, efficiently and like everything. Uh, or if it's efficiency and he gets to Dallas and he has one of the best seasons in his career. And it's like, remember how we kind of viewed Tim when he came into Dallas and it's like where he was coming off of and kind of keep that same thought, like uh, with Josh Richardson coming into Dallas too. Like, I think we could see possibly the best offensive version of Josh Richardson in Dallas this year. And I mean, he raved today about playing with Luca and the space and he used the word gravity, the word, you know, that Luca has this gravity about him and it's going to open up space. And I love that uh, Josh brought up this word. And he said, he's, he's a gap filler. And he's like, I, I like to fill in the gaps that, you know, there might be nights to where he has to step up offensively and score the basketball, but there might be some nights too where he's just asked to guard the best player and he's just going to, you know, just lock in defensively and do all that. So I love that he re- referred to himself as a gap filler because that's a guy, a solid vet that knows his role on a good team. And I, I love that. And that's really important because on nights, whenever the full five is rolled out, Luke and KP are going to get a bajillion shots. And Tim is going to get a lot of shots, too. And there's guys off the bench that are going to come in. Burke, Brunson, you know, these guys coming off the bench, they're going to get their shots. There's not 20 shots a game for everybody, you know, but you have to be able to contribute in ways other than just scoring. And in kind of the same way that even Josh himself said that Seth going to Philly is like going to be he's going to be a perfect fit in Philly because in Philly they need shooters. Yeah. In Dallas, of course, they want shooters, too. But. You know, it's also about, especially if, if you're not named Luca or KP or, you know, to a certain extent, Tim, because he kind of became like a really reliable third guy last year. If you're not going to score 20 points, you got to do you got to do something else, you know, yeah. whether it's defend the other team's best player, specifically point guards for Richardson. He spent more than 30 percent of his possessions guarding ones last year, which is really important because who kills the Mavs all the time? It's Dame Lillard. Yeah, it's Kemba Walker, you know, guys like that. So and, and Rick, not to interrupt you, but Rick mentioned that today and specifically yeah. said we've been in search 
of a guy who can guard point guards alongside Luka Doncic, and they believe they found that in Richardson. Yeah, and you know, some people shade detector went off as it relates to Delon Wright with that comment, and you know, I don't think that Rick is like throwing shade at guys, but you know, I I will say I I thought that Delon would be would have been a slightly better fit. You know, we talked about it on we talked about his game on the pod numerous times, like when he got a lot of minutes and when he was able to really sort of like get out there and 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 go. He was a really productive player, but you know Dallas is sort of a unique team in the same way that teams like you know any team LeBron is on or Houston with Harden. One guy has the ball so much here that you have to be able to do a lot of other things than dribble. You know you got to be able to catch and shoot. You got to be able to cut. You got to be able to read defenses, make plays when you can, defend. You know and and Richardson is one of those guys, or at least Rick thinks, and I think too, that doesn't have to have the ball in his hands or score 15, 18 points for you to know that he played. He's yeah. kind of like Dorian Finney-Smith, but he's like a souped-up Finney-Smith. You know, he's just yeah. – I mean, he's just like – he's better at – I mean, almost kind of everything. I mean, he's just a better version of Dorian. He's yeah. Uh, Ryan Klein, who's from Mavs China, does a great job on uh, all, all our Chinese content, asks him, like, you know, he wears number zero. Does, does he rem- – does his game remind himself of Sean Marion at all. It was a, a long time Mav. And he said, no, not really. You know, Marion was, you know, taller. It, he listed like 25 things that Sean Marion did better than him. And I was like, well, give yourself some credit. But Marion was that team's gap filler. You yeah. know, they had Dirk, they had Jet. You know, Jason Kidd was handling the ball all the time. Tyson Chandler was rolling. Like, there wasn't a lot of stuff for Marion. But still, some nights he was giving you 25 points because he was just timely cuts, putbacks, hit some open shots. Like, they every team needs a guy like that, whether it's like a glue guy or just a, a gap filler. I guess he, yeah. he described it perfectly. Yeah, and you know, Marion's defense and just that 2011 team. You know, we had a couple references day one at training camp, 2020 21 season. Here, uh, we had numerous references to the 2011 championship team, and you know, Rick mentioning today that he was sitting back watching Fox Sports Southwest and it was the replay of the 2011 run and and this is if you want to sum up the majority of the moves and everything Dallas did over this offseason you know two weeks it was defense this is their main goal and Rick stressed that today of like we are we were the you know number one offense in NBA history last year galactically we, successful yes yes and but we want to be a lot better defensively this year, and that it was intertwined in all of their moves of draft night and the trades and bringing people back. And Rick, going back to what he was saying about 2011, he's like, people don't, people forget. He dropped the people forget line. People forget uh, that you know how good defensively that 2011 team was and how they that's their main thing for training camp right now is like we want to be better defensively and i think you can correct me on this they were like 18 to 20 somewhere last 18. year 18 they were they were the lowest rated defensive team to make the playoffs they were 18th overall yeah so if it, i mean if we can just get in the top half i mean that that's the, that's number one goal but try to be a top 10 team and it's like he raved about the lakers and about their defensive you know prowess I guess in the playoffs and how Portland beat them in that game one and how they bounced back and they put the clamps down on Portland and they went on this run but how good of a defensive team they were and he's like for us to really take that next step they got to get there defensively and that was really why a lot of their moves were made yeah and just just thinking about their closing lineup and it could change depending on matchups and everything but as we sort of wrap things up and look ahead to future episodes we're gonna have a whole episode about the defense at some point this week or next week or it's gonna be a lot of stats and just 
really, really basketball-y. But just thinking ahead to if they're trying to protect a lead late in the game, they could put Richardson, Finney Smith, Porzingis on the floor. Those are three, like, super-plus defenders. Yeah. And you could have Maxi if they have, like, a big forward, like a Zion type or, or somebody like that who can go out there and he's a plus-plus defender. Uh, Luca showed in the bubble that he can produce timely stops, especially if he's guarding. I mean, literally, if you think about it, if their closing lineup is Luca, Hardaway, Richardson, Finney, Porzingis, Luca can defend the other team's worst player, and yeah. he's like almost certainly a better better at defense than some of these fifth guys are at offense. And yeah. Tim, in many ways too, last year he was asked to guard the second best, sometimes even the best player on the other team well this year he'll he can defend the third or fourth best perimeter player you know depending on who's out there with him and so Tim defending somebody like that I think will show that he's a better defensive player than some people think that he could be so their their closing lineup is so much better and and you have to get stops in order to win games Luca was talking about it too he's blowing all these leads some of that is taking bad shots or missing shots or whatever but some of it too is giving up easy buckets yeah so upgrading on defense was so so necessary in that regard yeah, and even, I mean, you mentioned Finney Smith, but, I mean, there's also, like, wild cards and, like, what does James Johnson have left at this point in his career? Like, could we have, like, a, a resurgence, you know, second half of his career for James Johnson? What does Josh Green bring first year? These are two guys that are known for their defense, and but at obviously two different uh, stages of their career. So, yeah, they there is a defensive flexibility now that Dallas has going into this season that – I don't know what you've had in, in in a little bit. It's just really interesting to think about the options. Like, okay, you know, you're in the division with Houston. You're going to play them three to f- normally four times a year this season, three times. You're going to have to play LeBron three times. You're going to have to play Giannis twice, Kawhi Leonard three times. And all of a sudden, you know, a year ago, it was like, well, the Mavs have Finney Smith and Tim you know yeah and 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 Tim and like Justin Jackson off the bench and maybe Maxie okay yeah well this year Finney Smith Josh Richardson James Johnson can guard some of those guys I mean you don't want him guarding James Harden but I'm sure that James Johnson could probably spend a few possessions on Giannis a few possessions on LeBron you know and not give anything up Josh Green same thing Maxie still I mean like you got like five six guys who can really credibly spend a couple minutes guarding some of these top perimeter players who are you know the the all the rave of the league right now like that is that's just a huge win it's a it's a huge win for them regardless of of whatever else happens but uh yeah we're gonna get into all that stuff later this week we got we got a whole lot of things to talk about before the season starts before preseason starts that is of course december 12th the mavs will play a uh what's the opposite of a home and home i guess like a a road and road with Milwaukee, they'll play Milwaukee two times in a row, both on the road, and then they'll come home to play Minnesota. Not exactly regional matchups that the NBA is going mm-hmm. for, but uh, it's close enough. They're both central time zones, so that'll be happening on the 12th, 14th, and 17th. In between now and then, we got a whole lot of stuff. Uh, Isaac, as we wrap up, do you have any any final thoughts on what we've talked about or, or something that Luca, Rick, or Josh said today? Yeah, I was just to say, we didn't really talk a ton about what Luca said, but... Um, Luca specifically mentioned as far as him getting better, he's like, he's working on everything, but especially his shooting. And uh, if we thought Luca was scary before, if we get better shooting numbers, Luca, this upcoming season, yeah, watch out. Yeah. Anything, I mean, you know, 31% or whatever he was last year, you get that bad boy up to like 35, 36, then it's just, whoo. See, I mean, he's taking like nine a game. 
He takes yeah. so many threes. He takes so many threes. So if you can get it up, I mean that that's an extra like the the difference between like thirty one and thirty six percent for most guys isn't that much. And even for Luca, it's not that much. I've I've done the math before. It's like an extra three like a week, basically, or maybe two extra threes per week. But with as many close games they played last year, that is that could make a difference. Could very well make the difference between a win and a loss here and there, you know. And and you'll have to take that every time. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> good, I thought, good I stuff, thought you were gonna end it right there. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, me too. I think that's a sign. I think that's a sign that it's uh enough is enough. Uh we'll be back with you I guess tomorrow on Mavs Daily. It is Mavs Daily for a reason. We're doing it every day of the week, and that is it's cranking up, man. It is time. Mavs Daily's back for for full season one. Isaac has some sort of like '80s video game shirt for Luca with, with Luca on it. My two year old son now knows who Luca is. He can say Luca's name. So I had this shirt on today, and he's like, "Luca, Luca," and I'm like, "I've never been more proud." Father of the year, right there. <laughs> Father of the year. All right, Isaac, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. You can uh, follow Isaac on Twitter at Isaac L Harris, and also. I'm serious. If you have not read his Tyrell Terry piece on Mavs.com, definitely go do that. It's how Tyrell Terry flipped the narrative. Um, it is on Mavs.com slash news. You can go there and check it out. Also, Isaac tweeted on on uh, his, his page, so if you follow him, you'll see it there. I am Bobby. You can follow me on Twitter or not. Definitely follow uh, Dallas Mavs on everything, and stay tuned to the YouTube channel throughout this week because every press conference – the Mavs are doing like two, three players a day every day this week going into full camp and, and preseason and all that stuff. And so if you want to hear from certain guys, like tomorrow is Dwight Powell and Jalen Brunson, or I guess today is Dwight Powell and Jalen Brunson, those are up on the YouTube page almost as soon as the interviews are over. So stay tuned for all of those. See what the guys have to say. See what Rick has to say. And uh, let's get this thing rolling. Again, Isaac, thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And we will see you tomorrow on Mavs Daily. Mavs Daily.